Hi, everyone. This is Dawn Richard, also known as The Awakening with Dawn. And this is the Wake Up to Real Love podcast, where we share stories of struggles and triumphs in love, sex, and relationships, along with expert advice to create more conscious connections. I am super honored and excited today to have my guest, Martina Hughes, with me. Um, I just finished interviewing her partner, Rod Gordon. And um, this is going to be a special three-part podcast series about uh, masculine and feminine and the divine union of both, because this is Martina and Rod's work, helping create more conscious relationships. And both of them have done such beautiful work um, on themselves and, you know, have grown and evolved so much. And they want to help uh, share their work with people so that they can help other people do the same thing. Um, Martina has worked with thousands of people over the past 15 years, helping them develop a deeper experience of love to feel more fulfilled sexually and to experience a greater connection and harmony in relationships. Her innate gift to intuitively understand and connect with people has seen her influence span many years across many continents. Her instant rapport with people gives them permission to be vulnerable, to share their most personal life challenges. Martina empowers women and men to discover the full range of their humanity and realize their deepest gifts. Her own journey of transformation has included her transition from a career as a financial controller, which I still have a hard time believing that. <laughs> Fascinating that part of the evolution um, to, sh- to now sharing her wisdom as a love, intimacy, and relationships mentor. The transition included several years of exploration and training through yoga, meditation, various therapies, food as medicine, shiatsu, energetic healing, breathwork, rebirthing, and tantra. Through Tantra, Martina has integrated all of her learnings in a truly holistic and comprehensive manner. Martina created Tantric Blossoming, the largest Tantric community in Australia, to create experiences for women and men to open their hearts and feel the innate aliveness of their bodies. Through private sessions, workshops, retreats, and training, Martina and her team offer people spaces to discover, embody, and express their authentic selves. The essence of her work is for people to remember who they are before they were conditioned to be anything else. Martina's vision is to support people opening their hearts to the greater source of love that lives inside every one of us. I'm so excited for this beautiful conversation. Welcome, Martina Hughes. Thank you, Dawn. Beautiful to be here with you. Mm, I um, I started off because I usually like to I, to ask sort of an icebreaker question. And um, I started off asking Rod about his karate class that he was about to take. And we talked about, you know, embodied, like being in our bodies. So I want to know what is your practice that you use most frequently or that you use most joyfully um, to get into your own body? Mm, Dancing and movements. So this morning I I do um, a meditation practice each morning, but... The meditation practice includes um, portions for dancing and movement. So sometimes the dancing is more expressive and more whole-bodied. Uh-huh. Other days it will be more soft and gentle and just moving parts of my body, but always to have some form of movement. So there's that connecting to the body, the waking up inside, 
tuning into sensations and, and energy moving through me. Now, did you take a lot of dance classes growing up? Never. <laughs> Never. So how, Never. how did you get interested in this? Um, to, to dance is actually a really natural expression of our I, bodies. I agree and, as I'm a dancer. <laughs> right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I've, I've never had any formal dance lessons or anything, but through a lot of the early work that I did in Tantra and personal development spaces, there was this awareness around moving the body and using dance for moving energy and sometimes I would go to um, ecstatic dance or organic dance classes where it's all about just moving your body however you feel to in the moment mm-hmm. and I came to see how how essential that is as part of our feminine energetic practice to be able to connect with aliveness sensations and feeling in the body is an absolutely essential part of our feminine being and it's something that often gets overlooked because in the modern world today people spend so much of their lives at computers or sitting or standing in quite stationary and fixed ways. Mm -hmm. So then the body ends up having a lot of tension locking all the way from our jaw through our neck, shoulders, the back, the hips, the groin, the pelvic floor, and then people end up with all of these aches and pains because the body hasn't been given the space and opportunity to move and express. And Uh sometimes it's because there's an uncomfortable feeling like I'm sure most people can relate and this still happens for me, but those times where I feel vulnerable or I feel anxious or I feel scared about something and that energy arises in the body and then the body goes and contracts to clench around the feeling. Right. The gift that dance and movement gives us is being able to keep moving those emotions through the body so that they don't get stuck inside. And so nowadays when I feel vulnerability coming or I feel sadness or fear than just even asking my body, what does it need to move, to feel, to be with that? Mm, I think that's a beautiful question. I mean, I, um, this is one, you know, because I'm a dancer, I love all forms of dance. And Mm. I think it's really, um, it's sort of sad how dance has not been, you know, so so um, important in people's lives because you look at all cultures around the world and every culture has its own form of music and movement, you know, so, so a lot of, in, you know, native or indigenous people have these very um, beautiful expressions of what you were talking about, both this power and strength and intensity as well as this softness and vulnerability and sensuality. And I think it's so important for us to be able to express both of those aspects, you know, or all of those aspects of us. And I think dance is an amazing way to really um, get out of our minds and really just be in the present moment connected, really connected to our truth. Yes, yes. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And in that way, it's healing to dance, it's healing to move, it's transformative. It helps unlock the body mm-hmm. on a physical level, but it also helps to unravel emotional patterns and energetic imprints that we hold on to. Part of the challenge often when I work with women who have a background in dance is getting them to let go of choreographed style movement. Yeah. And and to actual and which is why I kind of alternate between calling it movement and dance because Uh sometimes there's more value in tuning into how the body wants to move naturally compared to how the body has been trained Uh to move within a structure or a choreography. Uh And Rod, it was, it's really interesting because Rod was talking about, he feels like you have to start your healing process in the body. You know, that all the psychology and the emotionality comes as a result of working with the body first. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because being in touch with our bodies, it means that it's as though our body is, it's an internal navigation system. Uh So our body will let us know when something feels off. Our body will let us know when something feels right our body will let us know when a relationship is in alignment for us or when it's not in alignment if a career path is in alignment or not in alignment so always being able to tune in to that internal navigation system gives us so much more access to intuition to power to flow in our life rather than living from our head and even trying to process from our head Uh which it's possible to get stuck in mental loops whereas when we have the body supporting us there's a sense that we can navigate our healing journey in a different way can you can you give a couple examples of how your body shows you that you're not in alignment versus when you are in alignment just for people who have not experienced this before. Yeah, sure. So I started an event called Tantric Nights a long time ago that was very successful in Sydney and Melbourne and ran for around eight years. Uh-huh. In the last two years, I stepped back from facilitating Tantric Nights and handed it over to somebody else to facilitate. And... The, the numbers kind of dropped off a little bit towards the end. So I stepped back into facilitating. And remember one day waking up knowing that I was facilitating tantric nights that night and I had the worst pain in my neck and my shoulder. <laughs> and I was like, what's the message, Martina? <laughs> okay, this is not serving anymore. It was like there was a sense that the event had become a bit of a burden to carry. There was that uh. heaviness in my body. And so for me there was that sense of, needing to listen to my body and tune in and go even though this event has been successful and thousands of people have enjoyed it and I had always loved it myself in terms of you know facilitating it and creating the space for it 
But at that point, I had to come to realize that journey was complete and tantric nights needed to be finished as an act. So that's one example. Um, there's been other situations for me where as women, our relationship to our emotions can be so strong. I know I've had periods in my life where I've been through grief and loss with relationship endings and changes of life circumstance that have been really quite significant. But I've also found myself trapped in the emotional cycle. And the reason I say I was trapped in the emotional cycle is because I kept alive the stories in my head about the lost opportunities, mm. the lost, you know, chance for, for having a child, the lost chance that that particular relationship represented and so on. And so in staying in that loop mentally, it kept me very much in an overly charged emotional state, whereas coming back into the body brings me into a state of presence like I'm alive. I'm a woman who still has a lot of opportunities in front of her. I'm a woman who has the opportunity now to recreate her life and who has already experienced a lot of beautiful things. So the mind can be our friend, but mm -hmm. it can also play tricks on us by keeping us stuck in places, mm -hmm. whereas coming back to feeling things through the body brought me back into the present moment and being able to be grateful for my life rather than trapped in what I'd lost or what I didn't have. What, what does your body feel like when it's in alignment? There's a sense of openness. There's a sense that energy flows through the body and there's kind of this underlying tingling sensation that's there when I'm on track with my life mm -hmm. and so do you think that every every time you're not on track your body responds mm, definitely definitely fear protection defenses all of those things show up as patterns in our body. So whether it's the way somebody holds their shoulders, whether it's the way they breathe, whether it's the way they hold their hips, whether it's attention they carry in their back, their jaw, their face, all of these things show up in our body. I, I, I don't know. I want you to, to speak about this because I feel like women in particular have so many cultural messages about our bodies. Mm, and mm -hmm. so I, I mean, I know men do as well, but, mm -hmm. um, but I feel like women carry a lot of judgment about their mm -hmm. bodies mm -hmm. in general. Mm -hmm. And so how, how do we as women learn to love and accept our bodies as they are. Yeah, well, it's, it's, there's a number of elements to that. First of all, it's really coming to appreciate the gift that our bodies are and 
to appreciate and see and feel our bodies beyond the physical construct of our bodies, right? The physical aspect is largely what women judge and compare and measure themselves against. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the physicality of our bodies is also a beautiful thing, that there's no one right way for that physical structure of our body to look or be or, or, you know, show up in the world. So coming to understand that our bodies are a precious gift and that in actual fact our bodies are for ourselves first because mostly what I see women struggling with in our culture today and certainly I've had many journeys around this as well, is that we prioritise everybody else's needs. And mm -hmm. so then we turn our body into a workhorse, you know, working hard to do the things that satisfy everybody else's needs, mm -hmm. but leaving ourselves to the bottom of the list. Mm -hmm. And so I see a lot of the chronic illnesses that women are suffering today, whether it's menstrual-related illnesses or digestive-related illnesses or, you know, various other chronic fatigue and those kind of chronic conditions, what sits underneath a lot of those chronic conditions is a woman not knowing how to listen to herself, to listen to her body, to listen to her own needs, desires and priorities. Mm -hmm. And in some ways there's a real there's almost an energy of being against our feminine nature because a lot of us women have been brought up in times where there's so much value on achievement, there's so much value in achieving, accomplishing, setting goals, being out there in the world in a masculine way. Mm -hmm. And, of course, there's... A woman needs to be able to harness and use her masculine qualities. But if she values the masculine part of herself above the feminine part of herself, then the feminine part of herself gets denied, diminished, subjugated. And then that feminine part of herself, um, the way I experience it when I look back to my 20s when I was in that place it's like the feminine part of me was dying. It's like she was suffocating because I was so busy, you know, with my career goals and trying to be there for friends and family and be all these things that other people wanted me to be. But I wasn't listening to my intuition. I wasn't listening to my feelings. I was so protected that my vulnerability and receptivity were shut down. So, you know, I too started to, you know, get sick at that point and had, you know, a condition on my lungs because I wasn't, you know, breathing life in fully. I wasn't listening to what my body needed. I didn't mm. know how to be present to my own feelings. So how did, how do, how did you learn what it was to be a woman mm. in this world? You know, what were your, who were your role models and how, what did you learn about being a woman showing up in your femininity in the world? I had kind of a, 
not kind of, I had a spontaneous awakening to my own feminine energy and it happened at an event. So I'd been spending several months having a look at what is it to be feminine and I had some some friends and, and peers who were exploring similar topics at the time but whenever mm-hmm. I spoke with them they would go, well, you're just open to your feminine. If it was as, as simple <laughs> as just opening, wouldn't I have done it already? <laughs> and and I, w- I was around 30, 31, I'm going, if it was as simple as opening, it would already have happened. Yeah. And, and I was looking at them and I'm like, don't think they've worked it out either because they keep giving me these rote answers. <laughs> um, but because that question was alive in me, like what is my feminine energy? How does it look to open? So that was a really burning topic for me at the time. And I experimented th- with things like how I dressed, how I looked, hair, makeup, and I was aware that I could change the external aspects Mm -hmm. but I still didn't feel feminine on the inside when I had the spontaneous awakening that I had I was at a tantra event and it was through a practice I felt something happen such that I came alive from the inside out I felt this fire this enormous capacity for power this source of orgasmic energy just start rippling pulsing and then exploding through my whole body so it was a very very strong experience and parts of it were beautiful and parts of it were painful because it actually went on for um, some weeks and months but what that did energy to feel myself more deeply and expansively from the inside rather than being identified by the outside. So in terms of the awakening I experienced, there were parts that were painful and there were parts that were really beautiful. And it lasted some weeks and some months because what happened for me was that there was Uh, As the kundalini or the sexual energy, the orgasmic energy, that feminine power arose in my body, there was a lot of delight, heightened awareness, heightened sensitivity, new levels of receptivity that opened in me. And at the same time, there was also a lot of emotions that flushed to the surface because the rage that I'd never let myself feel, the the grief that I'd never let myself feel, the, you know, the fear that I'd never, you know, allowed myself to feel. All of the part would be like, oh, here comes another wave of rage and then being present to the enormity of that withheld and repressed rage moving through my body. Did you find it... Um scary it was certainly scary at times yeah because I I I mean Rod and I were talking about this that you know so many people are afraid of the unknown you know that we spend a Mm -hmm. lot of times distracting ourselves or numbing out 
to our feelings because we don't yeah. know how to just be with them. So how do you, how mm-hmm. did you, how did you learn to just be with all of those complex emotions? Mm. Because I had been in such a strong place of longing for that experience, it's almost like on some level I'd primed myself for it. Uh So then when it started coming in those waves, there was almost no choice but to simply surrender to that. Um, I was also quite fortunate at the time in that I wasn't really working very much. I had lots of free time on my hands, so I was able to be with all of that happening. Um, And I'd also spent a lot of years shut down on a feeling level and wanting to be able to feel, so then all of a sudden it was coming all at once. And it's still something that I, I journey with today in terms of, you know, and this this awakening happened for me let's say if I was 30 so that's almost 17 years ago now Mm -hmm. so it happened a long time ago but it's still a dance for me in day-to-day life to stay present to my feelings because I think there's so much in our society that takes us away from our feelings Mm -hmm. that period of time I had there in my early 30s having a lot of time and space on my hand hands was quite an indulgence and a luxury to be with all of that and now in daily life for me it's about having the practices of like oh what's happening in my body you know where can I take a deep breath how do I need to move do I need to touch my body to come back into the sensation of feeling have I gone into protection and and shutdown mode so being able to ask myself those questions so that I can stay tuned into the feelings because part of the part of the thing that happens with all of the clear rising up into the head and splitting off from our feelings. So how do you create a space that's safe for you to and how do you teach people to do this for themselves so that so that they can feel safe because you know when when things happen to us a lot of times we we react and we go into that fight or flight mode and so how do you teach people to just be present um and and have this safe container for themselves to experience what emotions are coming up for them This is where having a daily practice that includes tuning into your feelings is really powerful because having a daily practice of tuning into feelings means that the body and the psyche know that at least once a day you're going to tune in and go, how am I feeling today? Mm -hmm. So even if something got bottled up yesterday, then when when I come to my morning practice, there's space for that feeling to move and to be felt and to be shown to me. But then also wherever possible to remember throughout the day, if I'm starting to rush, if I'm disconnected, 
even just to put one hand on my heart, one hand on my belly and go, what am I feeling? Okay, okay, there's fear. What is it that I'm afraid of? Oh, I'm afraid of, perhaps I'm afraid of feeling sad. So what do I need to do to express that sadness? And sometimes for me when there's emotions present, sometimes I will need to talk it out loud to, so that in giving it voice then it can move in the body. Other times it might be a little harder to track so I might use my journal to make some notes until I dive down deeper into what the feeling is. And I mean, at, at the moment in Australia, given the enormity of the bushfires we're experiencing, there's a lot of, lot of strong emotions active. You know, there's a lot of anger towards our government and our politicians. Mm. There's a lot of sadness for, you know, the, the, the land, the, you know, all the wildlife, the mm-hmm. you know, millions of animals that have died. Mm-hmm. It's the number of houses that have been destroyed are now in the thousands. People have died. So I'm finding that even taking the space to cry each day mm-hmm. for what's happening on that level is important. It's part of me being in touch with the humanity of this devastating situation even though it's not impacting me personally um i i was just rod and i were just talking about um you know even though it's not impacting you personally it's still impacting you you know like he says you have friends that are being evacuated and you know i said what is what is mother nature trying to teach us or trying to show us in this? Yeah. And, and I, I think on some level it is um, bridging some of the gaps in humanity, like because seeing the way that people, people really do care and people do really support each other and that mm. in, in a time of tragedy, we see both the best and the worst behaviour in people. Mm-hmm. But the thing that is deeply, deeply touching is seeing the the outpouring of love and compassion and support that comes forward. Like even this morning I read that we've got firefighters coming from both Canada and the US at the moment yeah, I to help I us saw out. That it's too. Like, oh, wow. It's like, you know, the, so there's healing there that, you know, wow. countries are supporting each other. Yeah. So I do think Mother Nature is giving us another opportunity to really be in touch with our humanity. Well, and I, I feel like there's this whole, um, you know, movement and as to feel. Yeah. Um, uh, I was uh, just said that yeah, Mother Nature is giving us so to be in touch with our feelings. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I feel like it's sort of a return to honoring the earth and mm. how and how the earth supports all of us mm. and how we and how we need to um I mean I know a lot of people do this already, but so much more needs to be done of protecting the earth and taking care of her so that mm. she can continue to take care of us. Yes. 
Yes, and and that sense even of of respect that instead of just instead of just taking from the earth, it's like mm-hmm. how do we give back and contribute? Mm-hmm. And and that equally applies in our relationships, you know, with each other as humans. It's like are we just taking and grabbing for what we want, or are we giving, contributing, like meeting in a deeper place of connection? Yeah, I I feel like there's so many. Um, I mean, this is all tied together. There are so many hidden agendas of you know what people want in relationships or what people expect in relationships, yes. and so. And I feel like it's it's um, it's like this reflection of what's going on internally for yourself, mm. you know. Mm. So if you're not doing that dance with yourself, if you're not really honoring the messages that your body is giving you and the emotions that are wanting to be expressed, then of course that mm. spills out into every other aspect of your life. And so mm-hmm. how, how do you, how, how do you do it? <laughs> how do you really do it? How do you give yourself permission to do it first off? And then how do you, how do you do it? How do you show up mm-hmm. for yourself? Mm-hmm. Well, that, that really, again, comes back to daily practice for me because being in touch with myself via daily practice of meditation, movement, dance, journaling, being in touch with myself through those practices means that I'm listening to my needs. Mm-hmm. I know what my needs are and I know how to how to be able to support those needs throughout my day. It also then means that I can tune in to like where do I need need support from Rod in my relationship Mm -hmm. and how do I bring those needs, that level of support that I need from him, how do I bring it to him in a clean way rather than grabbing for it unconsciously because I find this is what happens in a lot of relationships. The unconscious part is I'll take care of you so you take care of me but that just leads to two people using each other to try and get what they want and not any real sense of transparency or real sense of connection. Is is that part of the mothering aspect that you talk about can be problematic in relationships? Definitely, definitely. I think what happens for women is because we have this capacity to intuit what somebody needs or what somebody wants, we often then start providing for somebody without them ever coming forward with their needs, their wants, their desires. And so in attempting to provide for someone, we set up a situation of dependency Mm. because a child is always going to be dependent on mother to a certain extent. Right. And so when a woman is in mother mode, she actually gets very seriously depleted because her energy is constantly giving, 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 
giving. So it's equivalent to her being in masculine mode all the time because the masculine is also about being the provider. So then the woman's not allowing any space for her feminine receptivity, for energy to come in, for herself to feel, for herself to receive. And often when women don't trust men, there can be a real tendency because of not trusting men to step into that place of like, I'm going to control and direct the relationship. But of course, when women control and direct the relationship, the downside of that is that they feel like they're always in control and they want someone to take care of them. Mm-hmm. And so part of my work with women is very much around women learning to be receptive, to be able to feel and receive from their partner. So even if a man walks in the room um, and a woman looks at him in such a way that she smiles and her eyes light up and her whole face lights up when she sees him, he will feel appreciated. He will feel received. She's giving him the gift of receiving him that in itself is a profound gift. Mm. A man is going to show up much more strongly for a woman when she's capable of receiving him. But the woman who criticizes a man whose body tightens when he walks into the room, whose face tightens when he walks into the room, that man's going to feel like his presence doesn't make a difference. His presence is not being received so that man gives up trying that's uh that's a bad dance to get into yeah yeah definitely and so oftentimes I see women wanting men to change wanting men to show up but of course we can we can never cause anybody else to change Mm -hmm. we can only change ourselves And so when I really understood that, that in relationships when I change myself, like if I'm, if I'm appreciative, receptive, if I'm responding in, in a genuine and transparent way to my partner, he will contribute more and more to me. He will be there. He will protect me. He will want to provide for me. But if I go into the mode of, criticisms and put down and contracting in my body then yeah a man kind of gives up and that's that's sad so I think for us women the real gift in going to the vulnerable place is that by going to the vulnerable place we fall into our feminine essence and when we fall into our feminine essence we're more magnetic, we're more radiant, we're more alive and we will more likely draw in the kind of man who wants to support us to be in that place. But oftentimes women think they need to hold on to their protection and their what they've developed through their masculine but then that often keeps attracting into their life the kind of man who is not going to show up for them. Mm-hmm. 
I was just, <clears throat> I was just thinking that, that, um, you know, there's this, it's probably a cycle, you know, based on your past experiences mm-hmm. that, you know, as a woman, if you can, if you have, you know, had series of experiences where the men aren't there for you. Mm-hmm. And then that's, that's when I feel like women get more into their masculine. Well, I have to do because I don't trust him to mm-hmm. do for me because I've been disappointed in the past. And yes. so, there, so there's this, you know, like bad cycle of how do I break this cycle? And first of all, because, because part of it, I think, is trusting in yourself, trusting in mm-hmm. yourself to show up in yourself and feeling worthy of receiving, you know, because yes. we are nurturing and we are, you know, women have a tendency to be very nurturing and giving anyways. But how do we learn to sort of come back and be open to receive? Because that's when I feel like men can show up for us, but it's this fine balance between between (laughs) yeah yeah and and it's it's such a tricky dance because if we keep expecting that the future will be a replica of the past Mm -hmm. that's that's what we keep on creating and so as as you say where women have had experiences of feeling disappointed and let down then that trust goes out the window but part of what I've journeyed in myself is knowing that I can have my own masculine capacity there to protect me I can have my own masculine capacity there to support me but if my masculine capacity is the way in which I relate to men then there's no space for a man to come in and be a man in my life. Mm -hmm. Whereas if the masculine capacity is there but a little more in the background and I let my feminine capacity come to the foreground in my life, my feminine can be relating with a masculine man. And if for some reason there's a disappointment, there's an upset, there's a breaking of trust, then expressing, communicating, say, oh, that didn't feel good. Oh, I'm hurt by that. Oh, I feel really angry about that. Uh, So expressing clearly, transparently, directly from our feminine energy. And if the person doesn't, um, doesn't respect us by modifying or you know, stepping into a conversation about the hurt or the discomfort, then at some point we may need to exercise our own masculine capacity to draw a boundary. Mm -hmm. So it's being able to know that we can still have our masculine um, capacities for boundaries and protections and structure in place, but Let's communicate. Let's relate from the feminine so that we have this opportunity of more vulnerability, more of what we desire in our relationships. So and, what what um, particular aspects are you talking about? The, the feminine, you know, expressing your feminine qualities versus mm-hmm. the masculine holding his masculine qualities. 
Yeah. So if I was, let's say if I go back to uh, when Rod and I were first dating, if if we were spending time together and I said to him, let's go and have some Thai food for dinner now, that's me in direction mode, which is a masculine capacity. Mm-hmm. If I say to Rod, I feel hungry, I'm expressing my feelings, I'm in feminine mode. And then let's say if Rod said to me, okay, let's go for Chinese food. And if I don't like Chinese food, then I can go, ugh. And then he might go, oh, okay then. Well, maybe we go for pizza. And if I don't like pizza, I go, ugh. And then, if, and then, and, and, and all of this is me being transparent, me being in my feelings. And then he might say, let's go for Thai food. And I go, yeah, let's go. It's, it's me communicating from feelings rather than direction. Mm-hmm. And it feels uncomfortable for people in the beginning. Like I, I work with people with this a lot. And it often feels really uncomfortable, but women, women are often afraid that it's going to look like or feel like manipulation. Manipulation. Yeah. I was going to say that. Yeah. But what it does is it gives us an opportunity to just communicate in a responsive, receptive, on the moment way. I'm not controlling the moment. I'm just like, Oh, that feels good. Oh, that doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Another thing I used to do when we were dating, oh, actually I still do now three and a half years later, but um, <laughs> if we're in the car, um, if we're in Rod's car specifically, I never touch the controls in the car. So if I'm in the passenger seat and I feel cold, I'll just say, I feel cold. He adjusts the heater. I say, I feel hot. He adjusts the heater. So what that does is he then he then has the opportunity to provide for me men men instinctively respond to the opportunity to provide like they want to be providers and this mm-hmm. is a little bit where men have become lost in this current day and right. age right because women don't need them to be financial providers and I don't need Rod to financially provide for me, but there are ways that he can take care of me, big and small, that I can reflect to him through my feelings. So even saying to him, you know, I'd really love a holiday. I'd love to go somewhere warm for a little while. And next thing I know, he'll be like, okay, we're going away in this month. This is what we're doing. And I'll be like, excellent. So, Giving him information. It's not manipulating him because he could turn around and say to me, you're hungry? Get yourself some food. You know, he could easily, you know, say, oh, I'm not hungry. And, and of course, that has happened in the duration of our relationship. There are times when he's like, I, I'm not hungry. What are you going to have to eat? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, and it's also not about using it as a manipulation tool, but it's it's using it as a way that I'm communicating how I feel. I'm communicating what's of value to me. I'm giving him lots of data and information 
so that he can then make decisions and take direction in a way that supports me to be more of who I want to be, but also supports our relationship to be more of what we both want it to be. So, you know, just recently Rod helped me create a structure for my working days so that I fit in a good combination of personal activities during the day and working activities and have a more balanced um, experience of the days that I work. So even in him helping me create that structure, there's a sense of me leaning into his masculine capacity. I could have done it myself, but in the course of running a business, I make lots of decisions. And so if I can use some of his decision-making to support me and give him the information to support those decisions, then that's even more powerful for both of us. And what about what about the times when women just want to express they don't want their problems to be solved by their partner? Yeah. So just even letting a man know that up front, hey, babe, I simply need to rant and vent are you okay holding space for me while I just empty out? I don't need it fixed right now. Just need to spew out how shit my day was. <laughs> and are, and do, and do men like, I don't know, cause I, I'll just tell you in my ex, he, he would say, get to the point. And I would, right. I would feel like you don't really care what I have to say. You just, mm. you know, so it was a, more like he, he wasn't, willing to hold space for me, I guess. That's what I'm yeah. saying. The, the way a man's brain processes information is that a man will be listening to you to determine what he needs to do. Uh-huh. So as he's listening to you, he's like, oh, I can't do anything about that. I can't do anything about that. I could give her advice on that. I could give her advice on that. But if you let a man know up front, that you simply want him to hold space so that you can vent, you've already told him what it is or asked him what it is that you would like him to do. So, Mm -hmm. hey, babe, can you hold space to me? I simply need to vent and download my day. It's been horrendous. I don't need any solutions on it right now, but I do need to vent. And he can he's free to go, nah, I don't have the energy for it, or to go, yeah, sure, far away. Mm-hmm. But because his brain's been given the information up front that this is a vent and a download and not a problem-solving situation, he can then stop looking for the problem to solve. And I, I, think, that, um, I think that there's also this quandary that men are in because we're asking them to show up in a different way, right? Yeah. And so how do they determine like what's what we really want, what we really mm-hmm. need for them? Like how do how do they want to show up for us? Mm-hmm. I think it's a real challenge for men to to work that out right now. So I think that that's where the more transparent a woman is with her feelings, the more information she gives him mm-hmm. without controlling him and without analysing. Because 
I know one of one of my downfalls has been that I'd feel something pretty, ends up feeling like control for the other person. Whereas when I am more transparent in the moment and go, oh, babe, like that just really doesn't feel good. Ouch, that hurt. Okay, we lost each other. Yeah, we lost each other. <laughs> right. Yes. Okay, I think we're found. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not sure where it happened. Yeah, you were, you were talking about, um, about saying, all, all I heard was you saying, ouch. Mm-hmm. like like because men are having having difficulties sort of navigating how they should show up mm-hmm. for women yes yes so trying to pick up the thread again yeah so for for men the best way that we as women can support men is by sharing our feelings in the present moment Mm-hmm. So when, if I say, ouch, that doesn't feel good or, oh, that hurts or, oh, I feel angry right now. It's like that instantaneous communication of my feelings is big information that calls forth a man's presence. If it's directed at him in a way that feels like a weapon, like, I'm angry and it's your fault. That's uh-huh. a weapon. Uh-huh. You know, I'm angry because you're an idiot. That's a weapon. You know, so that's unproductive and, of course, leads to conflict. But saying, oh, you know, I'm hurt right now or oh, I feel so angry right now. So it's like really cleanly owned and claimed. And then I find every single time a man will be like, oh, what's going on? How can I support you? What just happened? Mm-hmm. Sometimes things happen that, that you know, a man might have missed, but when we communicate how we feel, he'll be like, oh, what happened? How can I support you? Men respond amazingly well to the clean and direct expression of our feelings. I, I think that's probably um, where women make mistakes is that, you know, we're afraid to express what's really going on with us, you know, because, and I think this is true, you know, women have certain emotions that are more acceptable to express and men have more certain emotions that are more acceptable to express. And it's really trying to give ourselves permission to express the fullness of all of our Mm. emotions you know, like, yeah. like women express, expressing their anger and their frustration and men expressing their sadness and vulnerability and feelings of, you know, not being safe or, or whatever. Yeah. And so I feel like this, this is really important part of yours and Rod's work is helping both men and women experience the fullness of their human emotions. Mm, definitely it's it's of critical importance because that's where connection happens yeah you know and and we've we've come to value the intellect above feelings Uh you know and there's place for the intellect our intellect is valuable and our feelings are valuable it's like 
It's a team that goes together, not having one without the other. And in this world where people value intellect above feelings, that means there's a lot of head-to-head relating happening, but not necessarily body-to-body relating. And, and, you know, that leads to all sorts of problems like people being in relationships with people they don't connect with so well at a sexual and a body level. Um, it leads to people being disconnected from their own emotions and then riding over the top of their partner's emotions. Um, yeah, all sorts of conflict are that place. But as we learn to be more in tune with our feelings and even to be able to go, ow, that hurts, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's very vulnerable to say in the moment, ow, that hurts because it's a direct revealing of how I feel in that moment, but it's so much more powerful than coming to somebody and going, you shouldn't have said that to me because that was you, you know, doing blah, 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 you were patronising me or you weren't respecting my point of view. Mm -hmm. Going into that intellectual analysis of it is disconnecting. I think um, I feel like it's really challenging for men to do the same because their emotional vocabulary is so much more limited mm-hmm. than ours. Yeah. And so how do we as women help um, encourage that from our partners? Mm-hmm. It's, there's a phrase that, that Rod coined, which is leading with vulnerability. Um, so Really, that is the path for us as women. By us leading with vulnerability, men will start to see that that's okay. Mm. Because when you say that women have more vocabulary around emotions, that is true, but there's often a lot of intellectualizing and therapizing emotions that women do. Uh And what I'm suggesting here is a more raw, expressive, in-the-moment communication of our feelings, which requires women to go to that next edge of vulnerability. And when we go to that next edge of vulnerability, that in itself becomes an inspiration for men. Yeah, that we give ourselves permission to show up in that way so that it makes them okay for them to show up as well. And then they will feel safe. A lot of men feel emotionally unsafe because Mm -hmm. a lot of men that I've worked with have expressed the ways they've felt manipulated and controlled by women emotionally. Uh So when a woman comes into a more simple and direct communication of her feelings, then something in a man relaxes like, oh, oh, safe. Mm -hmm. Oh, she she lets herself have feelings. Then I can have feelings. Right. I um, I feel like this is something that Rod and I were talking about too. That you know that men want to be that safe container, and and I think you use this analogy of being the tree. Yes. You know, yes. being that sturdy support mechanism. Mm-hmm. You want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, yeah, the the masculine energy is that 
if we look at a tree, it's like the the masculine energy is the trunk. You know, you have this solid, firm structure that's masculine energy is it's directional, it's the structure, um, there's a solidity to it, there's a presence to it, mm-hmm. and there's a sense of immovability like a tree trunk. The feminine is like the branches off a tree. Mm-hmm. So in the branches there's beauty, there's colour, there's radiance, there's responsiveness, so the branches move with life. You know, they move with the wind. They, you know, receive, um, they receive, you know, from birds, from other wildlife. They receive from nature. So the feminine branches, uh, the leaves, the flowers, that's all the beautiful expression of that feminine nature. And each one of us, man and woman, has capacity for both. Mm-hmm. And so it's why I often, you know, have that image for myself of like the masculine being at the, you know, the rear of my body but being solid like yeah, that tree the trunk. stability. Yeah. Supporting and then, you. And then, you know, the part that I'm relating particularly in my intimate relationship I'm relating from the feminine the part that flows that moves that's receptive that's responsive Mm -hmm. because that's where the greatest juice and aliveness for my relationship is but equally if my partner is unable to be that structure for me on any given day then I rest back into my own masculine Mm -hmm. if if I'm doing things that don't involve him rest back into my own masculine when I need it. So in that way, each one of us, man and woman, can be our own unit of masculine and feminine support and we learn how to work the magic of that in our relationships. And do you do you find or do you think that this all is connected to your spirituality? Definitely, definitely, because everything everything is connected. Um, the The reason I see, again, coming back to the body, kind of where we started this conversation, mm-hmm. coming back to the body is because the body is where the magic happens. For too long, people have attempted to experience spirituality from outside of the body. But all of my deepest, most profound, most spiritual experiences have happened through being connected to the body. Mm -hmm. I'm a human being. I'm a spiritual being. Mm -hmm. And that is at the core of everything that I do. And so how do you... How do you... I guess, bring that spirituality in through your whole being so that you can also relate it to your partner. Uh, Sorry, I'm I'm not sure if I'm fully understanding the question. Can you maybe say it in another way? Um, Yeah, I I guess how how does your spirituality, your connection with your own spirituality affect your 
your spiritual relationship with your partner? Mm -hmm. I guess I don't see it as separate. Like it's it's included in everything I do. Like Uh spirituality is part of how I live. It's part of our relationship. Knowing that our relationship has a very strong intention and foundation around creating space for both of us to be the best version of ourselves and to support each other in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that is the connection to our spirituality so that there's space for the part in myself that is very human and very spiritual, space for the part in Rod that is very human and very spiritual. And to know that both of us are so much more than what we see in the physical form. Because I, I feel like a lot of people disconnect from their spirituality, you know, and, and just use, um, well, it's like they disconnect from their sexuality. Yes. Or they disconnect from their spirituality. And, you know, it's like we try to like manage these separate parts of ourselves instead of integrating Mm. all of them into who we are. So yeah. how do you, how do you help people fully embody that? Mm-hmm. Well, it, it comes back to even just to breathing and listening to the body and letting that spiritual self be acknowledged and felt and journeyed with as part of daily life. Mm-hmm. And then with your partner, um, to to share with your partner the the feelings, the intuition, the messages, the um, divinity. It did it again. We have we have this really strong yeah. energetic thing going on, Martina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like it'll be in flow for a while and then it... Yeah. Okay. Um. So just talking about, you know, connect, help you connecting to your own spirituality, sexuality, emotionality, you know, physicality and being witness to your partners. I I think that's what you were talking. That's what you were saying when the Internet went wobbly again. Yes. Yes. Um, Yeah. And and. In being sharing, you know, sharing with my partner the, you know, the intuition, the the messages, the, you know, the spiritual kind of aspects of me and, and the things that come through me. And then that also opens up the space for his sharing as well mm-hmm. on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, but another thing on a very practical level is that each day Rod and I do an eye-gazing practice. So mm. even in the space of eye-gazing each day, you know, whole different energies arise and shift and move and come and go. So, you know, during that practice a lot can change and there is the real sense of seeing each other beyond our human form yeah. in that. Yeah. yeah. It's how, and, how long do you do that for? Uh, we do it for 10 minutes each day. So it's wow. not 
it's not a long period of time. It is, however, very profound. I feel for me what's been very present recently is some of the past pain from past relationships is being healed. So I've noticed there's been themes and and some dreams and conversations about past relationships coming up for me and the common threads are around not being seen in those past experiences and I can see how what Rod and I are journeying through together in our relationship right now and having the eye-gazing practice, there's a real sense of like, I'm so seen. Mm. And so in feeling really seen and, and that offers a really deep level of healing on the human level and then it's also allowing for the release of the past pain from past relationships. Um, and then beyond that human level, there is that sense of a spiritual union that happens whereby, you know, Rod's being present and, and being there and eye-gazing with me, there's something that like really lights up and comes alive and this energy that is dancing between us and animating both of us in different ways. Yeah, what a beautiful gift that you give each other. I mean, I I can't yeah. I um I'm sure if if <laughs> I'm sure when you introduce this practice to people they're like, "Are you crazy just staring at my partner's eyes for 10 minutes?" That seems like a really long time. You know, <laughs> because a lot of times it's like, "Okay, I hold your eye gaze for like a few seconds and then I'm done." You know, it it's a place where you feel really vulnerable feel really vulnerable. Yeah. Eye-gazing is something that has been really um, interesting to facilitate for other Uh people because Uh um, I've I've worked with couples who've been together for sometimes 20, 30, 40 years and, you know, they've raised children and they've bought and sold houses and lived very full lives. Mm -hmm but ask them to look into each other's eyes and they can't do it. There's too yeah. much too much vulnerability. They start laughing, they look away, they right. get distracted um, because it's, it is really vulnerable. And, and then even the difference between staring and eye-getting because you're like, I'm doing something you know and I'm doing something to you I'm staring at you whereas eye gazing there's a more receptive part to it where it's like we're being with each other right which is then you know that in itself is the context for a whole different kind of union that people can take into making love because typically making love is about trying to do Do. something to each other right but yeah, but bringing in this other level of connection to making love, it's about being with each other, learning how to read each other's bodies, learning how to read each other's energies as the activity will like rise and fall with the energy. So then all those ideas of doing and prescriptions and the mental modes fall away. But, yeah, I've, I've had lots of fun facilitating eye-gazing with people because it's, it's a real challenge. And that's why I say 
it's just 10 minutes because people think, oh, my God, it's too hard. And I'm like, but it's just 10 minutes. Um, But 10 minutes can make a massive difference each day. 10 minutes in a relationship is is a world of difference. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I think... If you say, you know, have you tried meditating for 10 minutes? Have you tried, you know, focus, whatever, for 10 minutes? 10 minutes seems like a lot when you, you know, okay, start with two minutes <laughs> or start with three minutes, you know, because I, there's something, there's something that happens. I've done, I've only done this a few times. I've only had this experience a few times in my life. But when you eye gaze with someone, you, it's like you see into their soul. You know, you see like the younger version of themselves as well as the older version of themselves. It's like Mm. you see all of who they were and who they are and who they're becoming. Yes. It's really, really beautiful gift to give someone as well as receive it from someone else. Like, Mm. you know, realizing that, yeah, you do really see me right now. Yes. Yes. And that's such a gift. So I I can only imagine finding a partner who's willing to do these things with you is um, an amazing, amazing blessing in your life. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Very, very beautiful to be sharing this journey with a, with a man who, yeah, is equally committed to doing this kind of work, yeah. Yeah. So um, I look forward to our conversation together. Yes. Yes. That will be beautiful next week. (laughs) Uh, So how, how do you, this is the, this is the question that I like to ask um, all my guests at the, at the end of our conversation is how do you define real love? How I define real love. Mm-hmm. Mm. For me, real love or love itself comes back to love's a state of being. It's not something that we do, do. to somebody else. It's a state of being. Mm-hmm. So when I'm being a state of love, then my actions, my words, my energy towards the other person is loving. So real love is to live in that being a state of love. Mm -hmm. And it all starts with your body and your meditation practice so that it puts you in that state of being in love. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You, um, You and Rod are so beautiful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Really, really beautiful. I mean, for me, you know, I I can feel the energy of how much, you know, work you've done on yourself, how much, um, you know, you have done so much to explore your own emotional um, portrait landscape. Mm. And, mm. you know, how that is so important for you and your own growth and evolution so that you're creating this beautiful space for yourself, you know, of, of integrating both the masculine and feminine within yourself so that you can 
be a witness to your partner and help your partner express the same. It's, it's really beautiful to witness. So thank you for sharing with me. Thank you for everything you said. Yeah. It's yeah. been beautiful to, to share with you for the podcast. And um, yeah, I hope that the, the listeners can um, lean into exploring their connection to their feelings, to their yeah. body and embracing the feminine and masculine some more. Yeah. So how do, how do people get in touch with you, Martina, and, and find out more about your work and work with you? Sure. So they can go to tantricblossoming.com or martinahughes.com. There's two websites available and there's a couple of online courses available at martinahughes.com. Yeah, there are lots of great articles, lots of great videos, um, the online courses, and you do a lot of one-on-one coaching and group and workshops. And I mean, you are... I, you are shifting the paradigm, <laughs> um, which is, you know, why I resonate with you. It's like, these are these conversations that we all need to start having or continue having so that we help, you know, raise our consciousness, help everybody else raise the consciousness so that we can all show up more authentically and vulnerably for each other so that we can be in that state of love. Mm. Mm-hmm. so yeah. so true yes yeah. yes there's a lot lot more of these conversations that that need to be had and I look forward to being part of that journey with you and many others who are taking it yeah yeah me too me too mm. um so for for the listeners I know that you know there's just so much depth and wisdom in this conversation um so I I ask you to please subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends so that we can all um, create more real love in our own lives and in the lives of, you know, the people that we come in contact with. And um, for anybody that wants more support and creating more real love in your life, you can also contact me at the awakening with Dawn on Facebook and Instagram. And, um, you know, as we have talked about, the most important relationship you'll ever have is the one you have with yourself. All of this growth and evolution starts with you, starts with being present in your own body, um, you know, with your own emotions, um, in your, you know, mentality and your spirituality. It's like fully embodying and integrating all of who we are so that we can show up. Oopsie Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny because you were talking and you were just like a robot. It was like, bleh, bleh, bleh. and I'm like, I hope that you come through clear on the recording because I have no, no idea what you're saying. <laughs> I'll just repeat for all of the, for all of the people. This is really about embodying all of who we are physically, mm-hmm. intellectually, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually relationally so that we can be the fullest expression of ourselves so that we can both give and receive love um, in the fullest, most expansive way so that we all become um, the best version of ourselves and we help everybody do the same. Mm. So thank you so much, Martina, for being here. It's been a real pleasure and honor 
um, mm-hmm. and a gift. And I look forward to our conversation uh, with Rod next week. Yes, I look forward to that as well. Thanks so yeah. much, Dawn. All righty. Okay. Uh, all you listeners, uh, wake up to more real love every day. Take care and we'll see you next time. Bye.